sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologists at Tailored Book Recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Patricia Ellie Tuttle, and you can read if you want to, you can read most any time. This is episode number 269 and a half, and today I'm going to talk about a couple backlist titles that I'm excited to share with you. Hi everyone, how's it going? My wife and I are still sheltering in place, still working from home. I think that the most exciting thing I have to share right now is that it looks like my plumeria is about to bloom. So listen, I got this plumeria as a twig five years ago. My mom brought her to me from Maui. I have babied her for the past half of a decade, and it looks like she's going to give me flowers for the first time, and I am near tears. I have been through so much with this plant. I even went on vacation once, and she got separation anxiety and lost, like, all her leaves, and she had, like, 15 leaves at the time. Also, if you don't know, plumerias are trees. like like trees. People in LA have them in their yards. Ours is almost four feet tall and indoors because we're in Oakland and we live in a climate that is not friendly to plumerias. So we have some special lights on her, but yeah, we totally have a small tree inside our not so large apartment. I saw that the Trader Joe's near us was selling some plumerias in our plant sections and they made them into like tiny 10 inch plants like their house plants and I was like yo they should have warning tags on these but because in our apartment it's like straight up little shop of horrors in here with our plants we also have a basil plant that grows like a demon anyway before I get to my backlist book picks let's hear from today's sponsor sometimes you just need to touch grass literally and figuratively And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologists at Tailored Book Recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. For my first pick, I have Brave Not Perfect, How Celebrating Imperfection Helps You Live Your Best, Most Joyful Life by Reshma Sojani. It's time for another installment of my favorite nonfiction game, Take What's Best and Leave the Rest. There is a lot of gender-based theory, kind of like girls are raised like this and boys are raised like that, and reinforcing a gender binary that often occurs in research, and a lot of that is mentioned in this book, and it's a lot of what the book is based on. As I've mentioned before, a lot of research isn't inclusive of folks outside the gender binary, so we work with the science that we have for now. Overall, I really enjoyed this book, and it has a lot to offer. 
A lot of it, I feel, is speaking directly at me, and wow, I really wish I had this book when I was in my teens, and 20s, and 30s. The book is centered around the idea that girls are raised to be risk-averse, to strive for perfection and play it safe, to be people-pleasers, agreeable, and obedient. So if you were raised this way, then you may also be the kind of person that, say, sticks with activities that you're really good at and excel at, and then shy away from those that you're not. The author puts it as terrified to fail, and that hit really close to home for me. Another phenomenon that this book focuses on, which I'm definitely guilty of, is not showing your work or your process or your mess, like polished, completed things only, and how many of us raised as girls are also so accommodating, and it's still a struggle for a lot of us. Which brings us to the author's thesis that boys are taught to be brave and girls are taught to be perfect. And also, she posits that bravery can be learned and cultivated. The author talks about how many of us raises girls are, again, like I've said, so accommodating, and it's definitely still a struggle for me, personally. She talks about the lemonade experiment, in which a group of girls and a group of boys were all given lemonade that was awful. It was actually made with salt instead of sugar. The boys immediately called it out as disgusting, and the girls politely drank it, and only when the researchers asked the girls why they didn't say it was terrible, the girls admit that they didn't want to make the researchers feel bad. I still do this at restaurants, you know, back when we could go into restaurants. I don't know why. It's almost a reflex when the server asks how everything is. I give a thumbs up or I say, great, thanks, even if it's not. The author then talks about how this chase of perfection as a child turns into a chase of perfection as an adult, with everything, including happiness, just out of reach. Thankfully, this book isn't just a mirror. The author then offers strategies to build a bravery mindset. Some of these things still terrify me, but I think that it's even more reason to do some of these things that she suggests. Again, I really like this book. I bought multiple copies last year and gave them to friends. It's Brave, Not Perfect, How Celebrating Imperfection Helps You Live Your Best, Most Joyful Life by Reshma Saujani. For my second pick, I have Octavia Butler's Kindred, a graphic novel adaptation by Damien Duffy and John Jennings. Kindred, the novel, is one of my favorite pieces of speculative fiction. For me, it's one of those books that's so intense that I find myself frequently clenching my jaw while I'm reading it or even holding my breath. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about a graphic novel of it because it contains some really graphic things that I definitely try to avoid seeing imagery of. However, it's still really, really good and I appreciate good graphic novel adaptations that can reach readers who wouldn't otherwise read the original novel. The first page of the prologue is artwork of our protagonist, Dana, in a hospital bed. The words... I lost an arm on my last trip home are the only other words on the page besides the word prologue. And then you look more closely at the artwork and the ending of the book being given away on the first page. And if you're unfamiliar with the story, you don't know what the heck is going on. The present time in the book is June 1976. Dana, a black woman author, and her husband Kevin, who is white, just moved into a house in Altadena, California, down in Los Angeles County. Dana and Kevin are working on unpacking boxes and suddenly Dana starts feeling funny, like she's going to pass out. She suddenly finds herself not in her new house, but on the bank of a river and there's a little boy that looks like he's drowning. 
His mother is screaming his name, which is Rufus, and Dana jumps in the water, grabs the kid, brings him to shore. His mom starts hitting Dana and yelling that Dana killed the kid, and Dana starts administering CPR and saves Rufus's life. Suddenly, there's a voice yelling, like, what's going on? And then a click. Dana turns around, there's a rifle in her face, and then she appears back in her home in Altadena, a few feet from where she had disappeared, right in front of Kevin. And she's wet and covered in mud and absolutely terrified. Important things of note that the boy she saved and his mother were both white, and the clothes they were wearing look like they're from 150 years earlier. Kevin says Dana had disappeared for a few seconds, but to Dana, it felt like she was in that other place for a few minutes. Sometime later, a few days maybe, it happens again. Dana disappears from her dinner table with Kevin and suddenly finds herself in a bedroom where Rufus, who's a bit older, has set the curtains on fire. So Dana puts out the fire and saves his life again. She then learns that it's the year 1815 and they're on a plantation owned by Rufus's father. We learn that Dana's present and Rufus's past are inextricably linked as she keeps getting sucked back in time to this awful, terrifying time in U.S. history to save his life. And it is so intense and it is so, so, so good. Phenomenal story and the graphic novel version adds to it in ways I did not expect. Again, this is Octavia Butler's Kindred, a graphic novel adaptation by Damien Duffy and John Jennings. That's it for me this week, book lovers. Thank you so much to our sponsor. A special thank you to my audio editor, Jen Zink, who, among many things, does an amazing job taking out my numerous awkward pauses. Thanks, Jen. You can find a list of the books I mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com backslash all the books. If you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist and you want to show us some love, you can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other book lovers find us. If you want to talk about books or nerdy stuff or check in on my shenanigans, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at The Info File, as in The Lover of Information, spelled T-H-E-I-N-F-O-P-H-I-L-E. In the meantime, have a safe weekend, drink some water, and happy reading! Happy reading!